Welcome to the Leverage Ladies Podcast with Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. Each episode of this show, we will take on conversations about the biggest assets you have working for you, your team members. We will hear stories and conversations from successful business leaders, authors, and executives, and learn how they have used leverage to grow and expand to the next level. If you are looking to grow or expand your business, this is the show for you. Now, let's talk leverage. Welcome to The Leverage Ladies. This is a podcast where we have inside conversations with top experts and business owners about their journey to finding leverage, growing their organization, and achieving work-life balance. These are perspectives and stories you will not hear anywhere else. We are your hosts, Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. We are business owners and business partners who've committed to leveraging our way to freedom so that we can achieve financial peace and have a life by design. As lifelong learners who run multiple organizations, we know that you can achieve more by focusing on building organizational support and leverage. To go along with these interviews each week, we are putting together a roadmap for you to follow along as you are implementing leverage into your business. Our speakers will be sharing documents and resources with you as well. Be sure to listen to the end every week to find out where you can find each week's piece of the roadmap. We highly encourage you to check out the resources. Now let's get started. So today on the show, I'm super excited. I'm with my co-host, Shannon Dager, and we are with Brinley Tucker, who Brinley, I am just admired you from afar on all you've created. So we'll kick it right off because you got so much great information. Tell us a little bit about you. I always like to say you were born and then what happened, Cliff Note version that got you here. Yeah, wow. That's kind of a loaded question for me. So born and raised by a single mom, whole life, I was the center of one person's world. And so when you go out into the real world, that's not really how the real world works. And so um, I discovered drugs and alcohol at a really, really young age um, that took me down a path of not great lifestyle. And then I joined this amazing company called Keller Williams. And in 2012, went to my first family reunion. And all I heard was God, family, and business. And Nikki Ubaldini was my broker at the time. I had decided I wanted to go into real estate because I was unemployable and I wanted to make a lot of money. And now I always say like, I want to make a lot of money and I didn't want to work for anybody and still don't make a lot of money and I'm still working for everybody. Um, But, you know, and went to that first family reunion and everyone was so happy. And at that time in my life, I couldn't even fathom what that inner happiness felt like because I was just numbing myself and ended up coming out of that family reunion, cried out to God and said, I don't want to live, but I don't want to die. And I don't know how to get out of where I'm at. And I believe he whispers and then he speaks and then he yells and then he roars. And my roar came Memorial Day weekend of 2012. I hit my rock bottom. And with the love and the culture of this company, they did not let me out of what I had done, but they put their arms around me and they loved me. They loved me through it. Mm. And that's why I'm still here 12 years later. And Nikki Ubaldini will never see me move my license because that woman is the queen of second chances. Mm-hmm. And I ended up starting my first TC business on a bike with a laptop because I couldn't drive. And I always say I had the best rear end in the state of Florida at the time, <laughs> but it was when E-Edge came out and I would yeah. bike agent to agent and setting up their E-Edges. And Fred Collis called me one day and said, I'm not happy with my TC. Will you do my TC? And I called Maureen Casgo and I said, Maureen, Fred wants to pay me a lot of money to do his transactions. It was like $300 a file at the time. And I recorded how to do a Florida state transaction on a voice recording. And that's how I closed my first deals. And within three years, I did 2000 transactions a year with a team of six. And then Diana Kokoska, who we all know and love, came and tapped on my shoulder and said, hey, we need to start building ops at MAPS. 
And so I went over and started doing that with maps, was able to sell my first TC business to my employees. A lot of them are still stay-at-home moms that are still in business. And then I went on a three-year journey with maps and built out their director of operations coaching program, really gave a voice to that community. And then this beautiful thing they called COVID happened. And when you live by yourself in the middle of a national pandemic or international pandemic, I should say, you have to spend a lot of time with yourself. And I got really congruent on my values, who I wanted to be as a leader, who I wanted to be as a daughter, as a friend, and decided that I was really passionate about leverage. You know, I was starting to get into the Tony Robbins world and realizing that realtors aren't any different than any other small business owner. They all have the same challenges. And most of it is in leverage, Mm -hmm. uh, people, models, and systems leadership, and team building. And so I created a company where agents could come and we could follow them in the life cycle of their business, get any type of leverage they need, and they can come and go as they please. We don't own them. We don't get their databases. We don't take their GCI. They can just come and we follow them. So we monitor their spend on fractional. And then when they're ready for full-time, we get them over to hiring for full-time. So we are able to follow the life cycle of the agent. And we're doing some pretty cool stuff. We're helping a lot of people. I love that. I love that. That's really question, Very interesting. I mean, that is a thank you for being so honest and real with us. I met you during COVID through a Facebook group and a few other people (laughs) who always had so much energy. And like Linda said, I have enjoyed watching your journey and what you're building. What does your organization look like now in terms of leverage? How's it built out? What's that org chart look like? Yeah. So we're going to have real talk. And this is the first time I've talked about this on a public platform. And I think it's so important to be vulnerable as leaders. We were all introduced to Keith Cunningham, The Road Less Stupid by Gary a while back. And Keith actually spoke at an event that I was at in August of last year. And in September, I read a version of Keith's apology letter to my organization. And basically, it's a letter that states that as your leader, I've treated you more like a friend than I have a leader. I have cared more about the personal development of the individual than I have about the health and the vitality of the business. Mm -hmm. And that's going to change. And a lot of you are most likely not going to make it to the other side with us. We're going to be putting some KPIs and metrics in place, which are very different things. KPIs are tied to revenue. Metrics are tied to your activities. And we are going to make this profitable because Gary tells us in shift what happens. Businesses, very rarely do businesses go under from generating revenue. They go under from bloat. Mm. And we bloated, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I live in optimism. I fell into the optimistic track. And so it has been literally the hardest six months of my life. Now, what does happen in that is that the people that got you here may not be the people to get you to the next. I've grown as a leader by not setting accountability, not having those KPIs in place. It made me the monster when they left. And that's a tough place to be, right? Because it really forces you to look at you. And we've also been able to bring in amazing talent because of it. And it's like, I was telling someone yesterday, I finally feel like our business is like a bulldog. You know how like a bulldog is just like so strong and firm to the ground in their foundation? Like that's how your business should feel before you scale. Because if you build it on shaky ground, Linda, you've been in this long enough, you've seen it, it crumbles. And it usually is around the two or three year mark. And only 10% of businesses actually make it past five years. What do you think changed? Do you think the kind of person you were looking for changed? Or because you said some didn't make it and you built a different team. So is it because they were already set in their ways 
or were they just probably the wrong people in the first place? What changed? Was it the type of person you looked for? What changed? Well, I, you know, I hate to say it this way. And this is kind of where some of my mentors, I collected puppies. I love personal development. I've become a totally different human being in 10 years. I want to help people do the same thing. And sometimes that can cloud your judgment as a business owner. And you're leading more with your heart than you are your head. And then you wake up one day and you've got debt. You're not profitable. You're burning the candle at both ends, making no money. Mm-hmm. And at some point you have to say like, it's either the easier or the softer way, the harder or the softer way, right? Mm-hmm. And typically most of us, like I said, you know, I'm a type A, he whispers, he speaks, he yells, he roars. And usually it takes a two by four to knock me beside the head and say, okay, like something has to change. And it was funny. I was talking to a coach a couple months ago. And I was saying, you know, I really want to find a strong operator for this business because I believe in it so passionately, but I also have this personal story and this gift to deliver content that God has given me. And so I need an operator to run this business so that I can do what God's intended me to do. And I woke up two days ago and I'm like, holy moly, I didn't even realize it was happening all in front of me. And he starts Wednesday. So it's like, we always like when we're in the moment, it's never happening as fast as we want it to for most of us. But life is always unfolding exactly the way that we want it to. It's just when we realize it. Yeah, that's interesting. Quite a journey. So how many people do you have on your team now? Yeah, so right now we're at 15 W-2s okay. and 10 BAs. Okay. So we have a model where we run lean under the mothership, and then we want to put people in the field. So we're doing a lot of partnerships with market centers right now on leverage and the idea is to get them white label and get them someone in the market center. And so we cut back a lot. I mean, I think we had 28 team members last year. And, you know, it's also we're hundred percent virtual, which is an interesting way to lead. Mm-hmm. We've had to find a lot of different ways to maintain culture, to make sure people are working. Right. And I don't think it's always with positive intent, but you mm-hmm. don't realize how much distraction there is until you cut back the labor and they have to do more. And you're like, oh, your capacity actually is more, Mm. right? And a lot of people weren't used to working from home. They didn't have the structure. So how are you distinguishing when you make a decision on who to put in what seat? How are you distinguishing between virtual and in-person? Yeah, all of ours are virtual. But when I coach agents and leaders on virtual versus remote, I think that your right-hand person needs to be attached to your hip. Your number one, your, some people call it the operator, some call it the director of operations, some call it the EA, whoever that one person is that's going to run your world needs to be attached to your hip, or they need to have the ability to be attached to your hip on a pretty regular basis. And then really it's up to the individual, right? So we've got right now four in Houston that three of them really don't like working from home. So we're looking at shared space where they can all go in and work together. Mm, We've started doing, we do team lunches twice a month. So every Friday we get on Zoom and we all eat lunch together. And then the ones that are in cities together get together. So I think it really depends on the person, Shannon, and it depends on the role. But the thing is, if you're going to have virtual, you have to have KPIs and metrics in place. And you have to be inspecting what you expect at a really high level. And Mm -hmm. that's been my hardest lesson. And that's hard to do. It's harder to do when they're not in a sales role or something. When they're in an, or I find in an administrative role, how do you, how do you figure what those need to be in an administrative role? Yeah, it's a lot of spot checking, Linda, right? So it's a lot of spot checking their checklists, their systems going in. Is the information accurate? Typically, you can go in and check surface level things that will show you if there's something deeper you need to go into. And I've learned, I think Nikki actually taught me this, Linda, she probably learned it from you or Jimmy, is if you ask enough questions, you'll get to the BS. 
And a lot of times we just don't want to ask the questions because if we get to the BS, guess who ends up having to clean it up? (laughs) Then we got to do something about it. (laughs) It's a lot easier to go and stick our head in the sand, right? I mean, you've got agents and I'll say it out loud. Y'all might end the call after this, but I've talked to several rainmakers in the last couple of weeks that their businesses aren't doing very well. Mm -hmm. And I've said, you know, the one, there's one thing that would solve all your problems. Well, what is that? Get back into production. And several of them have said, I'd rather see it burn to the ground than ever do that again. So a lot of it, it's our programming, our behavior that's getting in the way and we're ignoring and we're not inspecting what we expect because we don't want to face it, which is just human programming. It doesn't make someone good or bad. It doesn't make that agent wrong or a bad business leader because they won't get back into production. It's what's standing in their way based on the programming and the environment from their past. So So how do you deal with that? What would you say, we have a a podcast that we talk about fierce conversations and conflict and how to address those white elephants. What does that look like for you, Brinley? Do you have any, anybody who's struggling with that, that's struggling with tough conversations with their team? Are there books that you're, you're listening to, podcasts, classes? What would you say for somebody who needs to learn more about that? I think every business leader in America should go to nlp.com and study NLP because you're dealing with humans. And Shannon, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I'm the Susan Scott queen of fierce conversations and I've done it all right. I have done it horribly wrong. And the last six months has taught me so much in the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is the more often I do it, the better I am at it. Mm-hmm. When I let it build up and it gets to that last like, and then I find out all the things, I become highly emotional. I mean, you can't be an entrepreneur and succeed at a high level unless you're a narcissist or a sociopath without emotion. You just can't, right? Like, so you guys know this, like 60% of what we do as leaders is is emotional intelligence, right? And I've just found the longer I wait, the more resentment, the more emotion comes in, the more emotionally charged the conversation gets, the faster they shut down and then they just eventually leave. Yeah. Well, and the more you don't follow the process to do it correctly because it triggers you and the trigger sends you off into a terrible place that's hard to get back from. That's right. <laughs> and, then, and then it makes you the monster, right? Yeah. And relationships don't end the way you'd want them to. And honestly, it cheats them. It does. They don't it's get right. that growth that they might have if we did it correctly and they had a chance to do two things. One, enrich our relationship, whether they stay with us or leave. I still want the relationship to be enriched either direction they go. And they don't get a chance to see their own DNA that's probably going to take when they go someplace else, it's going to cause them the same problems. That's right. That's right. And I agree with you. I think people have fear of the conversation for too long. And then they let it go to a point where it becomes emotional and it becomes this huge issue that if you can you know, learn the skills of addressing conflict early on. And Linda teaches this and she's fantastic about it. We talked about it in the podcast. Then you can address it early on. And it's usually like really strengthening to the relationship because coming through conflict and coming through the conversation, now you have a trust level that if something is a problem, oh, we can talk about it and it's not going to be the end of the relationship. So I think addressing it early on is so key. And that is my biggest regret in the last six months is that I've lost relationships that were truly, truly important to me because I was a baby leader and didn't know how to properly help those individuals grow through it, coach through it. And it's interesting, even coaching, you know, what's the first thing that goes off someone's calendar when we get busy? Our one-on-ones with our team members, our 411s. 
and they start to fall off. And then we start to think, oh, well, they're fine. They're hitting results until they're not. And it's usually gradually and then suddenly. And then all of a sudden they're not hitting results. And then you start uncovering everything. And they're like, well, I'm not going to stay around for this show because they're going to catch everything I'm doing. And this ain't going to be pretty. So they start, I mean, it's just the whole, you know, the whole cycle of it. So what does your cadence of meeting with your team look like? So now every Monday, Mondays are my team day. I mean, I run three businesses because I have a leverage business. I have a one-on-one coaching business. And then I have obviously the stuff that I, I do personally. So Mondays are my leadership team days. It's my leadership meeting. So we meet as a leadership team and it's my one-on-ones with my leadership staff. I'm also CC'd on all of the recaps from our team members, 411s with their supervisors. So I go in and spot check those just to make sure we're not getting on autopilot and that they're actually engaging and coaching and all of that. So I've set up systems that have really helped. I have all of my leadership submit videos by noon on Friday that give all the updates. So like, what was the goal? What's the reality? What were your obstacles? What's your way forward next week? So we get that out of the way before we get on our one-on-one on Monday. So we're not oh, really like time going through that stuff. Monday one-on-ones are really like, what do you need me for? That's great. I love that. I love the video. I think that teaches us so much. We always get better when we do video and everybody's so scared of it. Yeah. And so you're giving them a tool to one, make your, I mean, you probably enjoy listening to the videos more than reading the recaps mm-hmm. and they get better at having the conversation and talking through the conversation by doing it as well. So I love that. That's a great training tip. I love it. We also do stand-ups at 9.30 every morning. I'm not on them. That's the team. That's the time for them to have camaraderie. I lead our team meetings, but stand-ups are lead. And our team's stand-ups are actually led by each team member individual. So we have a schedule. They're assigned a week. Even our virtuals are leading team stand-up. And that gives them opportunity to get out of their shell and lead. And they have to bring, like, we've different days, have different topics. So like a personal development topic, a professional topic, Bill Forward Fridays, and they have to bring the content for that week. And that's been really great too. Oh, that's awesome. That shares the, well, it makes everybody take responsibility for it. I love that. And then we have our, another virtual tip for virtual teams. We use Slack, a version of Slack. And like, we have a culture committee. And so they have like a food channel, like where people go in and put like snaps of their dinner. Like we have a furries animal channel. They're going and snap things of their dogs. So like we've created way, their whole job as a culture committee is to create ways to keep us culturally connected in a virtual world. That's awesome. Are you, all your virtual people from the U.S. or do you have some outside the U.S.? The majority are from the U.S., but we do have some in the Philippines. And we treat them the same. We call them partners. We don't call them VAs. Mm-hmm. And we actually, they work for us. So they're not through a third party company, which gives me a little bit more control because then I can use like what I would normally pay a service as an upcharge. I can actually put back in their pocket. Love awesome. It. Awesome. So if, if listeners want to get in touch with you today, find out more about you, your organization, your business, how would they do that? What's the best way? What would you like for them to know? Yeah. So you can actually go to our website, yourrealtyleverage.com, yourrealtyleverage.com. But what I'd love to do is book um, a free consult with you. So if you want to go to ineedleverage.com, ineedleverage.com, you can book 15 minutes and we'll take a look at your business. I just love helping agents look at where they are today, where they want to go and what type of leverage they need and how they need to structure their business to get themselves into the income producing activities and out of the other stuff. Love it. Yeah. yeah and everyone's p look different. So everyone's budgets look different. So it comes in all sorts of shapes. I love how you've reinvented and where you're going. I think you're filling a big need and a gap 
and giving people an option that they didn't have before. So thank you, Brindley. Thank you, Linda. That means the world coming from you. I remember one of the biggest things that I learned from you was when you learn to respect money, you get to keep money. Yeah. Took a wealth building class with you and Jimmy. And that was, that literally has resonated with me since that class. Awesome. Well, you're doing great things. Keep it up. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Good Thank luck you. About your organization. Keep going. Can't wait to see all the great things you're doing. This is fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to visit our website and download this week's piece of your leverage roadmap at leverageladies.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to and share this Leverage Ladies podcast with others. We would love to have you follow us on social media as well. Check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and be sure to follow us for ongoing tips, updates, and information. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is to leave a five-star review so that others are able to find the Leverage Ladies podcast. And again, thanks for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Leverage Ladies podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we hope to catch you again in the next episode of the Leverage Ladies podcast. We'll see you then.